0: It's just conversation, right? Yes. With a microphone. With my <laughs> Which com- is being recorded and scrutinised by hundreds. Yeah.
1: Um. Thousands, Neil. Thousands. Sorry. There's thousands scrutinising. Millions. <laughs> We're working our way there. Um. Mm. Welcome everybody to Harco meets humans. All thousands of you, <laughs> and I, I can tell you, like the podcast is doing really well. So thank you to everyone that's listening. Wicked! How many people are tuning in? So we've got, we're up to a thousand monthly listeners.
0: Wicked! That's awesome.
1: Which kind of proves our point that, like, there's a whole area of New Zealand music or just music in general and interviews that is just not being capitalized served. on. Yeah, because we served. Yeah, you've met me. You've met Benji. You're seeing yeah. the space. It's not like we're a, an international media brand. No. Quite the opposite.
0: No, it's local.
1: Welcome to Neil McLeod. Kia ora. How are you doing?
0: Very good. Yeah, I'm very, very happy. This is like the first day of no more sessions for a little bit.
1: Yes, we should say that you're a, a producer, engineer, artist. Mm. Yeah. Can, and, and, and maybe this is a good place to start. Can we say um, like film... Uh, Soundtracker Slash like Soundscaper now
0: Mm, Yeah Because you
1: may have heard Neil's work on The Church and AP uh,
0: Yes At Thy Feet Shout out Oscar Keys Um, Yeah No Film Film was like my first love anyway I wanted to make movies First I think what was, like direct them or like make music well, for them I don't really know like what the delegation of roles was I think when I was younger I just had ideas for films I don't know whether or not I was more of a director or a writer but I had ideas for films and I knew I wanted to do films and I still want to do films Are you so, like
1: a yeah you like a cuz you we were talking before spoilers we we hang out before we press record Yeah um, <laughs> and you you were like we were talking about cryptocurrency <laughs> <laughs> and um and you 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 used the word like conceptualise like you need to conceptualise things before you like really get into them yeah is, is that like your language for kind of saying that you're you, you're you like a visual person mm. or do you see creativity like visually
0: uh, yeah I do but with that statement it's more it's a bit more basic than that it's like I mean I'm, I don't idolise this guy but Warren Buffett has like a saying which is that he will never invest in something that he doesn't understand right And that's one of his first like kind of principles for investment. And I think it applies to being a human in the world. I think it's helpful to understand anything if you're going to get into it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, by conceptualize, I just mean I need to be actually able, sorry, I need to be able to actually hold an image, sure, but also like. What do I need to do to achieve that in my head? I need that first, is what I'm saying.
1: So you have no problem being like, I don't know anything about this?
0: Yeah, not at all. That's a scientific like mindset, you know, is like coming from a place of not knowing and being not just comfortable with it, but excited by that, you know?
1: So you're quite aware when... Because it's my experience that most people aren't that way, that most people are uncomfortable admitting when they don't know something. Right. And so are you like quite aware when someone's, like have you got a good bullshit detector because of that in a sense or are you hmm. just kind of? Uh,
0: I don't know. I, I just, I think, I think it's fine if people, I, I think it can work in either either way. I, I tend to think that it's safer to, to know what you're doing before <laughs> you step into something. But I mean, it's also, I, I, I find it inspiring when people just go head first into something Yeah, as well. I'm inspired by those people.
1: That kind of like confidence that leads to like somehow flukes into results yeah. sometimes.
0: I guess that it's just the it's the rate of success just doesn't seem attractive enough to me. Like I, I don't think I'd like wanna fully embody that lifestyle, you know. I like to have a bit of both, you know, like I think in terms of like people skills and like relationships, I try to take the dive head first in approach and just trust that it will end up where it needs to but when it comes to your career especially if it's in something as kind of fickle as the music industry i think it's worth you know trying to really understand what you're about to go into
1: mm. how how do you feel
0: existing in the music industry oh random to be honest it's 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 really just people it's just people and i think when i first moved to wellington which is when i thought i would be like quote unquote starting my music career I thought there were all of these rules and things that needed to be done and I don't know that's kind of dissolved a little bit now I think it's really quite a lot more simple than that it's really just it's just people you know and getting along with them and being nice to them and having something to offer you know coming from a place of service yeah so that's kind of what I see my role as yeah Yeah. I
1: think that's a really good way to put it yeah because you can, I, I tend to like, you can really systemize something, you know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> and in a way there might be pockets of it that is like that, for yeah. sure. But it doesn't have to, it's, very, it's a very blinkered view of anything um, to think that it's not, that it's just this one system that everyone's part of this one system. But No.
0: Well, it's so much more exciting than that. And it, and it is so based upon um, each, each person's nature. Like, I've got music friends who do music full-time and that means something completely different to them than it would for me. Like, I'm music full-time, but for... I mean, I'm, I've am i got an example in my head, but I won't, I won't bring them up, but they just do music full-time and they're on the benefit and that's their idea of, like, music full-time. And then for somebody else, music full-time is, like, bringing in X amount of dollars a week. Mm. I don't quite know where I sit on that continuum, but, like... Yeah, to think that we all have to s- play the same game is such is so like illusory and not true. You can it's it's really just the life that you want to live, and just finding ways to facilitate that.
1: Yeah, you know, I kind of talk about it like because I I have that view as well. Yeah, but I think a lot of artists and musicians <clears throat> have a very simple or centralized view of what they should be like the box of what they're going to do as ticking boxes. Other, yeah, and. To me, that just seems like inherently like that that has a lack of creativity. I mm-hmm. always like to say like people tend to be like really creative with their art, and then for some reason the creativity stops at the say the music at the making, studio, yeah, and they don't think about being creative with how they run their ca- career. Sure, bunny yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Well, I'm. I just think it's a shame when when people try to systemize something that is quite. Yeah, like what, music is beautifully chaotic. You know, we Well your are,
1: music's beautifully chaotic.
0: Yeah, it's definitely chaotic. Um, I'm quite chaotic. But also this industry is. I mean it, it it's constantly been disrupted by technology. It will be again, you know, to think that there's some sort of set trajectory is just silly at this <laughs> point. Yeah. You know, so like you might as well you might as well just do what makes you feel good and like uh, do what brings the most meaning start there mm. you know and that's your role in the industry i don't think i think if you come in like looking for a role <laughs> in the music industry it's like i think you're more likely to feel like you have failed right you know like if you ever heard, you know ray dalio no he's like a super interesting guy he wrote a book a book called principles and i mean i'm like super paraphrasing here but um he talks about like the first step is just to really break down you know what makes you tick like what's your nature what is the thing that you want to do mm. and then start from there like that's your base layer of code if you're thinking about it as a system like that's your first that's like that is the building block for everything else and if you're just immediately going to your targets and your goals like projections of what you want mm. And you just start going towards them, like you could even achieve them, but you don't like, necessarily know that you're fulfilling something that's true to your nature. And I've, I've been guilty of that at times. You know, I've gone for the, you know, like David Lynch is saying, I've like focused on the, on the whole rather than the donut, <laughs> right. you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you realize that you've just kind of missed the whole point. Like you've done that thing and you tick it off, but there's nothing there, there's nothing at the end. So, it's, I think it's just generally speaking better to just go, what makes me feel good? You know, is that finishing a song? Is that starting a song? Is that just being around the music scene? Mm. Is that helping other artists? You know, am I? And then, and then come the questions about, like, okay, well, am I a manager? Am I a promoter? Am I a musician? Am I a producer? Like, you can't really go straight there, in my opinion. Because that's not that's not the that's not right at the base. You know that's kind of still surface level.
1: It's quite a like that idea of like I am my brain, and I can just think. <laughs> I can think my way into any role. Just sit yeah. here and I'll think and I'll plan out everything. Yeah, like divorced from physical reality, from passion, from anything. Yeah, it's such I... a wrong way of thinking, in my opinion.
0: Sure, I mean it's just I mean it's a way of thinking. I just I just feel like it probably isn't that rewarding. Mm. You know. I've, and I, I mean, again, I'm, I'm so guilty of it. I, when I first tried to join the music industry, I was definitely focused on stuff that wasn't actually fulfilling, mm. you know. And then you achieve those things and it, you realize that it hasn't made you feel any better, you know. And then you'll be doing something unpaid with no sleep for a week or whatever and you feel alive. And you're like, oh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think it's... um. Don't really know how we got down that wormhole. But, I mean, in terms of how I see my role in the industry, it's just like, I don't know. I'm kind of just letting it take me wherever. I have things I like doing and I'll keep doing those things. And if opportunities present themselves and and they look like something that would be true to what, you know, is my nature, then I'll go for it. Do you feel like you have many people around you or do you find
1: that you've met many people who... Have this are at the same mindset and same like approach to what they're doing as yourself. Like, do you connect to many people with that kind of outlook at the moment?
0: Um. Yeah, some. I think. Uh, I think in a way, I'm I'm like jealous sometimes of of people who have really zeroed in on one thing that they want, you know, mm. because I don't feel that way. I really am just so happy to be involved and just so happy to be even considered to work on a project if it is production or, you know, to be able to put on a gig. Like, I'm just so overwhelmed that that's an opportunity that I have. Like, I'm very scattered in that respect. So, um, I don't know. I don't have these conversations that much, you know, because often we're just trying to make music, you know. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I think... I think there's definitely people that I, that I respect who have almost the opposite view and, I've, and I love talking to them as well. So yeah,
1: Because you have quite, I view, it's, it's something that I've seen friends do but I've never been involved in which is kind of like right. the, the songwriting session-y yeah, yeah. thing. Um, it seems like it can be quite fast moving and disconnected in a way because you're, you're working with lots of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time yeah does do you have any sense of like a community or a scene that you fit into yourself like what's your relationship with that it's
0: right? not centralized yeah. you know I, okay. I think that's one thing that I actually enjoy breaking a little bit um I really love the idea of a scene I think that's really cool but i, I hate it when it's just a genre <laughs> right uh, that yeah. to me like a genre isn't a scene necessarily like obviously genres spark scenes and stuff but I mean yeah, I feel very chameleon, at least in my life. And so I, I'm i finding something to connect with with any kind of person, with any kind of artist, yeah. whether it's pop music, R&B, like the strangest left field shit that you've heard, my own music, whatever. Um, so it's sort of hard to like say if there's a scene around that because it's so widespread and... Yeah
1: Have you seen the Do you you know, you know Soul Wax
0: Soul Wax Yeah No
1: oh, right. I'll show you Soul Wax Yeah yeah They have this documentary That they made About themselves I guess Yeah um,
0: Like a collective
1: It's a band That turned into DJs that turned into An electronic band Fuck yeah It's crazy they are my favorites of all time. Soul um, Wax. Soul Wax. Um, mm. And the, the documentary is amazing. I'll, I'll fuck it. Yeah, fuck it over. Yeah. Um, it's on YouTube. Part of the weekend never dies. Is what it's called. Cool. Um, but there's an interview. Part there's like it's talking head interviews intermixed with a live thing, intermixed yeah. with stuff. And James Murphy's on there, and there's the co- this conversation around like a scene. Like is is this whole thing a scene? And James Murphy's point from LC Sound System is um. What's wrong with calling it a scene? like people hate to use the word "scene, but it's a scene of the same people at the same festivals doing the having the same approach to things, yeah, and I love that idea in a sense that like I agree with you, like I don't necessarily feel like I'm part of a scene in the traditional sense of things like no i don't make you know I'm not making grunge in Seattle, you know what I mean, but yeah, in the nineties but I feel surrounded by. Very like-minded people doing completely different things.
0: That might be it, almost. Yeah. I, I think that might be the closest thing I can describe as the scene that I might be in is just like-minded individuals.
1: Yeah, because it, it is—it's an approach. It can be an approach thing. It could be fucking anything. Community, you know what I mean? We, it doesn't have to be limited to this one form of um, geography.
0: No, I actually might even take what I just said back. I mean, not like-minded, but. There's just some basic principles which are understood. Like to come back to the session thing that you mentioned, like session culture, getting into the studio with a new artist you've never met, having 12 hours to come up with something, you know, feeling disconnected or whatever. I don't feel it's very disconnected. Okay. I think there's a language which everyone who does that enough can speak. And it's this very open, honest, quite pragmatic but also quite emotional like so just, it's very unique mm. i would say it's almost like a little bit of a a scene in itself you know people who are that collaborative because there's i mean there's so many there's so many kind of um staple like artist images there's like you know you're your artist who just sits alone in their castle and then occasionally like comes down and blesses us with like a record and then we <laughs> worship them. And then there's people that are super, super um, present online and then they under deliver. And there's, there's this, all these sorts of like caricatures almost that we have. Mm. And one of them I would say is the kind of session culture like musician, someone who is acclimatized to getting in the room with someone who they've never met before and being able to go right down to the emotions and cut through all the bullshit mm. and just focus on writing a really good song and capitalizing on the other person's strengths. And I think that's quite cool. Like there's definitely a I definitely feel quite at home in that world at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's probably the closest thing I could say to a scene.
1: You've got like a sense of confidence in it.
0: Um I just feel like I I just feel like I can bring value. I guess. Okay, like I, I can just be of service in that space. You know.
1: How do you? What's your uh, approach to like making to breaking that ice and making people as comfortable as possible when you do meet them for the first time?
0: Being a goofball, right? Straight up. <laughs> yeah. It's like I mean I am. I'm I'm quite like when I first um if it's not in the studio I can I can seem sort of serious or whatever, but I'm not. I, I'm I'm a goofy person and in the studio, it's the fastest way to just let people feel comfortable. It's just to be silly. Yeah, right. I don't even know how to quite describe it, but people that I've worked with know this about me. Like I'm just super childish. Would it be like
1: you're being vulnerable in the studio?
0: Yeah, like it's in vulnerability, not just with like talking about heavy stuff, but also with the funny shit, you know? Or for example, like a really, a really effective technique in my opinion, if you're hitting a wall creatively. Just admit it. Yeah. Admit that you're hitting a wall. Like, how much more uncomfortable is that if no one's mentioning it? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, fuck, we're not really getting anywhere. I don't want to say anything (laughs) because I don't want to offend the artist or they don't want to offend me or whatever. If you just go, should we just stop this for like an hour and just have some food? Like, this is not working, you know, just like, and make that into something funny, you know? I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I think that humor can be a really great, probably probably the most frequently used technique that I have well, to help like a, with a session. It's like a, a release
1: yeah. valve, right? That's what like comedians' role in society traditionally was was like they're going to say uncomfortable things that are true that are true to because they are uniquely given permission in a societal sense to be the ones saying those things to release the pressure for everyone else without yeah. it having to be a society based on those uncomfortable truths all the time.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's just a type, of, um, it's a type of catharsis, you know. I mean, I think about, um, I don't know if that's the right use of the word, but it's how I feel anyway. Um, even at funerals, for example, like at least funerals that I've been to are very sad, obviously, in the moment. But then there's like a, at least in my experience, there's like a moment of comedy. You know, there's a photograph that gets like played. I'm thinking about someone who passed that I knew who was young, too young. And in the slideshow that they played, there was like a photo of this guy just being a fucking goofball, you know, just use that word again. And it just made everyone laugh for a moment, Mm. you know, and all that nervous tension, all of that pain got a moment to transform for a second, you know, and we need that everywhere, you know. It It helps us move through things. I think humor, because intellectualizing stuff is great and definitely helps you. um, Definitely can help, but also like, how often are the answers super long and hard? They're they're usually just like little little kind of moments where things click and make sense. And I have that all the time with humor. You know, like somebody says something like, "Uh, "Oh, it's a bit shit, isn't it?" You know, someone says that to you. You're talking about something really heavy, and they go. Shit's fucked. <laughs> and then you're like, yes, shit is fucked. And then you're like, cool, done, you know, close the book. Yeah, Like humans got this amazing role in, yeah, in life and definitely in the studio I find, just helps people to feel comfortable. Connect. And we don't have to intellectualize everything. We don't have to be putting this like amazing version of ourselves forward all the time, you know, because yeah. we're not, and it's funny. <laughs> we're so stupid sometimes and we suck sometimes. You know And like Why not laugh at that Yeah I find that to be Probably the most Helpful thing In my toolkit at, at least Yeah right Yeah Is
1: So When you what What's the difference Between how you approach Making music In say that Session environment mm. The whole approach You're having to it Yeah Compared to If you're sitting down And making music For yourself Um Like do you Are you Uh, Do you try and emulate what is successful in the sessions um, for yourself or is it a completely different thing?
0: Well, my music is very – I suppose my music is just a lot – I'm more patient with it. Like session culture or sessions in general, they're usually um, pretty scarce for time. You know, you might have a day or two days with somebody and there is a pressure in that. And I think I think I mean what well, diamonds are made from pressure, right? So there's something to that. Mm. But then also like great wine takes time, you know. So I think there's kind of both cases for music. And I would say that my personal music is more of like the wine analogy. Like I need to come up with the concept, have it in my phone for like a year, and then try and produce it one day, and then have that sitting on my computer for four months. And then maybe I finish it and then maybe it makes the record, you know? Mm. And then with other people, it's more its more the pressure that brings it out. You know, we have to get past all the bullshit now.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: And we do or you don't. But if you do, there's often really great rewards there. So I suppose because I make the music by myself, that's probably why it's more the... The wine approach, you know. Yeah, right. Because I don't have the pressure on me.
1: You'll have someone else over your shoulder being like
0: Yeah. I'm also not trying to earn my whole living off of my music, which is a big component. I think if my solo career was the focus, like entirely, then it would be a, it'd be probably more similar to the session um approach.
1: Yeah. And this isn't
0: Just out of necessity, right?
1: Th- yeah, of course. And I find like I had a really great I've had Lavina on this podcast I love her. Yeah, we I mean, yeah, big big fans. Shout out
0: Sophie, she's like the best. Yeah. One of the best writers in the country.
1: She gets enough bloody shout outs on this podcast. Yeah, day. but her
0: as a writer especially, like her music's incredible, obviously. Mm. And her production's fucking awesome. Yeah. But her writing and her ability as a writer is phenomenal.
1: I can imagine her face right now listening to that.
0: Everyone needs to write with Sophie. Yeah, she's amazing. She's really, really good. <laughs> I like, honestly like I can't speak her praises highly enough.
1: Me either. We play she often comes into the cafe I work at. Crum. Shout out crumb.
0: Shout out crumb. I um, haven't been there, but
1: and, we'll go. Uh, <laughs> we'll get you there, mate. Um, <laughs> and uh, Levine is quite often playing on the on the stereo oh, when really? Sophie walks in. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. no, she'd hate that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we did that to a few We did that to Polly Hill today oh, as well. No. That was a good one. Oh, you got to be uh, – yeah, that's a funny one, Name. Eh? When people play your music in front of you. Fuck, it used to make me squirm. I'm getting better now.
1: Yeah, you seem like you're – there's a lot more people more uncomfortable uh, talking about their shit than you are. So you've, yeah, you've, right. you've got an uh, over it. it, it, it actually, yeah, it brings me to another thing I want to talk about. So just go straight to that. Sure. Because, like, you 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 said you were born in England – yeah, but grew up in New Zealand. Yeah, what age?
0: Uh, we moved. I always get this shit wrong. Pretty young, like I think I was at preschool in New Zealand by the age of like four. Right. I can't remember like if I moved at four. Like yeah, can't remember. But very young.
1: I feel like you you have what I would say is like an you you seem slightly separated from like the New Zealand creative psyche. Tall poppy. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's a that's a choice.
1: What do you think? So Because I th- think it's real, but a lot of people don't think it's real.
0: What What isn't?
1: Tall poppy syndrome, but I would use it.
0: Why don't they think it's real? What's their argument?
1: I think that people assume when you say tall poppy syndrome that it's just like kicking the shit out of 660 or something. Right. But when I talk about it, I more mean at as the like... The subtle a, stuff. Yeah, like the uncomfortability of like putting yourself out there or yeah. being confident. Yeah, yeah, of being, standing up. Being even like blunt, like like you're quite honest and quite, like you said, like cutting through the bullshit. Um,
0: I just want to have a real conversation.
1: Learning learning business, learning just like actually putting yourself out there. Yeah. You seem quite comfortable. I mean, even if you've learned to do that, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. But for me, that did... Separate that does separate you from a lot of New Zealand... There's this New Zealand psyche and it's hard to really put a, a finger on it. But I think it yeah. is mildly detrimental.
0: I think it's extremely detrimental. Right. Because the talent... or actually, why don't I even say that? I don't believe in talent. That's another conversation we can have if we'll you do, like. Put a pin on it. We'll I it legitimately don't believe in talent. I love that. Um, when I say that, it's really just to communicate what people, th- people think of it. But... um Sorry, I'm getting lost now. Um, People that are really good at what they do that also sabotage their own careers is sad. It's crazy. It's kind of crazy. It is absolutely crazy, and it's not. It's not like it's just their fault either. It's like partially your fault. Because like you have to take some level of responsibility, but also there is there is something, and it's very hard to put your finger on. I agree, but there is something in the psyche here um, where you know standing out is something almost to be ashamed of. You know, there's I think shame is a really big part of it, and I have been trying to figure it out because I've felt it you know or i still feel it like sometimes when i post stuff on the internet for example i analyze the fucking shit out of every word mm. hoping i don't come across a certain way and then i go through like 30 minutes of like okay i've been tra- i've been typing three sentences to people that don't really care <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like a small percentage of people that actually care um what am i doing like why am i doing that it's not because I'm like a scholar in English language and I'm trying to get the grammar right. It's the tone. I'm like worried about upsetting people or something. And there's like some level of just um, being, I suppose, careful and considerate, which is good. You know, I think being considerate is a really attractive quality to have. Um, but then there's a, there's a level where it's gone beyond that and it's, I wanna be seen in this way, and I don't want to be seen in this way. And I think that can be like detrimental.
1: When, I'd- when, because I relate to a lot of that. And that, especially that last kind of point, when, when I hear someone else say that, it instantly just makes me think of like control. Yes. Like tr- when you're thinking about what someone, you're thinking about what you're doing in relation to what someone's going to react to it as you're essentially thinking of how do I control the reaction to everything I do?
0: Yeah. And like there's a certain – I don't know where it stems from. I don't know if it's because of the fact that we have this kind of agricultural background, very hard knock, do-it-yourself sort of backbone to what our modern society looks like in Aotearoa. Mm. Um, I think it plays a part though. I can't exactly connect the dots, but I mean I'm – I'm sure that it's somewhat related to just the industries that have put us on the map. Mm. There's like a certain toughness to it. There's a certain like resilience to it. And I wonder sometimes if it's just a matter of not wanting to seem like too big for your boots or whatever might tie into you're not doing enough work or something. I'm not sure. It's like, I've got so many little like theories. I'm not,
1: But that's the thing with it, because I, like...
0: I can't pinpoint it. I don't know what it is, but there is something specific going on. I'm so
1: surprised there hasn't been, like, some... Like, a flurry of master's dissertations on, like... What it is. On on tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. Because, like, even for me, say, with this podcast or putting music out or whatever, I have far more friends who are New Zealanders than I do who are non-New Zealanders. But because I've lived in England and because I've, like, played music and all that stuff, I do have... You know, quite a few non-New Zealand friends. Yeah, you've
0: met people outside of this of this culture.
1: I will more consistently get messages from the non-New Zealand friends when I do something. Yeah, about what they think about it. Yeah, whether it's good or bad. Yeah, then I'll either I, it's almost radio science from New Zealand, and then uh, that kind of plays into that whole thing about New Zealand bands where um, they put out one great album that everyone like one album. Don't mean great one yeah. album. That and gets received well there's a, yeah. there's a gap And then they break up While they put out Their second album And mm. once they've broken up Everyone around them Tells them how much They liked Oh it's a shame You guys broke up I really liked your band Well, I think, But no okay. one tells them At the time
0: <laughs> I think like I think too Yeah no that's Yeah you're right um, People don't tell people enough mm. like, People don't On both sides People don't say What they think In general enough um, I wonder Just listening to you Say that stuff With the overseas thing that you're talking about, whether or not maybe just the size of the country plays a part in this, Mm. in that, you know, there are less roles to be filled, you know, to be at the top or whatever that means in New Zealand. I don't even know what that means, but to be at the top, whatever that is, there's less of that available than, say, elsewhere.
1: So you think it's a bit more – maybe there's a bit like a competitive context to it?
0: Yeah, I think there might be like a competitive element, which I don't always think is terrible, to be honest. Um, I think some level of competition is healthy. Um, I had another idea when I was listening to you, but I can't remember what it is now. Um, Yeah, no, I've I've lost it. But, I mean, in general, I hope it's something that we can kind of move past because – with the internet being what it is, you know, we have access now. Mm. If you have a laptop, say there is still obviously a lot of people that can't afford that stuff. But if you are lucky enough to be someone that can afford a laptop and be hooked up to the internet, you know, you can engage with other cultures and other mindsets and I think it's worth doing. And I think it's probably only a matter of time before tall poppy syndrome is pretty much unwelcome, you know.
1: Yeah, the younger generation seems very much more comfortable at least publicly on the internet even if they're just pretending yeah. to be at least a little bit more um We're
0: far more entrepreneurial. Yeah. Right? The new generations are so much more like that way minded, I think. Everyone's starting their own thing. It's amazing. I think it's so cool. I'm not yeah, I'm not sure what. I'm not sure what the origins are. Eh?
1: Well, we had I played at um
0: uh Welcome to
1: Nowhere. Put on by I, I Gum Was
0: Grony playing at that? I
1: played after oh, Grony. Fuck. Grony, Did you see them? Yeah, I've watched. That was the best <sighs> thing,
0: bro. Fuck, man, that's the best electronic music ever that came out of New Zealand.
1: Honestly, like that was a huge inspiration to me when I was like, just when I quit all my bands and was like, I want to do electronic music. They're kind of like, they they were like one of the only people doing a lot of the stuff that I'd loved in England. When I'd lived yeah. here and heard it for the first time.
0: Holy shit, man. Their their album Nyx is like one of my favourite albums of all time. Like hands down. i put it in my top ten.
1: Shout out Grony. Shout out Grony. Start Growny. making music again. Yeah. I mean their, food, their food's fucking awesome. Their they, food's great. they were be yeah. really making food as well, but I they, they all left the, the, the stall and then set up and played a set at like Well, I was on at four, so they must have been on like three in the afternoon. Yeah. In the wilderness. It's a weird time to put them amazing. on, but yeah. It was amazing. I, I think that was probably them, though. Like, we don't want to be doing a big thing. We just want to be like casually playing out <sighs> shit. Do
0: you need to go to the toilet? I really do. Go to can the toilet we now. keep talking about Grony when I come we back? Can come,
1: we can talk more about Grony. It so go downstairs, do a U turn once you hit the floor. Oscar will show you. On, I'm so glad you know Grony as well as I was <laughs> um, And i tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I bloody told him at the start that he's going to need to go to the toilet. But he's a young man. He backed himself and his bladder abilities far more than I would back myself. And he's become the victim of it. It's a lesson. It's a lesson to be learned. Um, While I have some space, thank you so much for uh, listening. If you are listening now, you are one of the best people I know. Um, Trying to find a way to speak directly to the community that's growing that listen to this podcast because... You know, it's a bit difficult when we sit down and I've got Neil here. I just want to talk to Neil and you guys are here to listen to Neil. We're not here to circle jerk ourselves into oblivion. But it's really awesome. Me and Benji, Silas, everyone here at Poynton. It's like, it's pretty bloody crazy. Like I said, a thousand monthly listeners. That's growing every week. Lots of great messages about every podcast. I just want to say thank you. It's really, 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 really cool. Um, Also, happy Artito Music Month. I think this is coming out for that. Go stream
0: two days. Neil's back. How much, do you, how much better do you feel? So much better. Than, I'm like, <laughs> the pressure was on from the beginning not to do that. You did it. And I you know have what? such a small bladder, man. I can't handle like one drink. I That's okay. To
1: That's totally okay.
0: I always had that like, oh, he's breaking the seal thing <laughs> when I was younger. Like, I was the first one. always always like, had that thrown at me.
1: You can't, you know, no one, it's not worth, this podcast isn't worth a bladder infection. That's what I always say.
0: Shit, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, nothing is. Nothing's worth that. Yeah, it's probably like my, if I could change one thing for the studio's sake, it would be that. My studio's in my loft. Right. So I have a clankety staircase to walk down if I need to go to the bathroom. You just hold on for dear life. Sometimes, yeah.
1: That's when the frenetic drums come in, you're like, Oh,
0: just me. when something like amazing happens. Eh? <laughs> like the grony conversation, which we should get back to because come back grony. I want yeah. another grony album before I die. That'd be amazing. Oh, uh, they're just so <laughs> I mean, like, Al is a genius. Do you know Al?
1: So I haven't personally met. I, I was very um over-the-top gushy to them after their set, mm-hmm. which I think made them slightly Naturally, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But
0: I'm a very gushy person, so. That's cool. I think that's great to wear a heart in your sleeve. But, like, Al Green is the actual name. Alexander. Um, fuck, man. Just so, so talented. Like, talented. I keep using that word because I know people understand it. But what I mean by that is... He's distilled exactly what electronic music, or or maybe not, maybe just what music should sound like to him. He's just distilled that right down. I think that's why Grony is so amazing to me. Is that when I listen to it, it's singular. It's like I can hear the influences, you know, whatever, but it's Grony. Yeah, and it's I, a Grony album. There's no yeah. one else. Like I don't put on anyone else's album and go. Oh, that's, it's, it's really like distinct. And I think that's really come from his ability and the rest of the band to just distill what they're doing right down to the, a T. There's such a specific mood. So specific. Such a, such a vibe. Hard to even describe. I find it really hard to describe. I think you just have to put on the record really loud, lie down on the floor, and just close your eyes. I think that's the best way to experience their music. It's do just you, with your eyes shut.
1: Do you think there's a space in New Zealand for that kind of music uh, uh, to grow? I hope
0: and, so, because that's my music. Yeah. I mean, I'm so inspired by them, yeah.
1: Because that's how I feel about Like, there's, you know, we're dominated by drum and bass culture. Right. I like drum and bass. Same. Um, so, the, and we, we are, we do have a big electronic music. There's there's an under there seems to be an understanding in the public of electronic music in general like to enough to fill festivals and club nights uh, from different genres you know Flamingo Pier does it amazingly Filth does it amazingly yeah oh like, shout out filth. Like, yeah so like this there's, there's an appetite for it
0: there's a and there's a public
1: understanding huge of it.
0: hunger well just for electronic for like yeah for club music club I suppose I wouldn't like pinhole it, pigeonhole it sorry into like uh, drum and bass no but like I know what you're saying like the recorded playing recordings like DJing I suppose is very established in New Zealand
1: yeah but when I was in England and I started really getting into electronic music I was getting into like John Hopkins and yeah. Dark Sky and very like energetic but um non-aggressive sounds very like moody very artistic atmospheric in that sense. atmospheric yeah. but mm. still like can crank like you know John Hopkins yeah. lane way oh, fuck yeah. fucking cranked Yeah, slaps um and i'm always like where is that here where's this? is there a, is is there not a space here for that or is it waiting like mm. that's a that's a real question up in the air for me
0: i i'm with you i mean i think what needs to happen what needs to happen uh <laughs> an option i should <laughs> say um would be that the electronic spaces that we do have Uh, Open the doors up a little more for live acts. Mm. Sorry, not, I mean, that sounds, I don't mean that DJs aren't live, incredibly so. I'm, I'm, all I'm meaning by that is people that are like bringing in multiple synths. And I don't know if you know like Corey Champion's project, Borrow Cassettes, for example. Yeah. Like he does amazing work like that and he plays in those spaces. But he also, you know, he's playing in places like Meow a lot too. And I just wonder maybe do we need more, more acts like that, I suppose, more, they're electronic and it fits the dance floor, but it's a little more patient, perhaps. Like maybe just having a bit more of that in, in those spaces would be helpful. Because mm. like, I can relate to what you're saying. Like when I was in, I was in London for like about three and a half months, a year ago, and yeah, I'd go to really popping clubs and then I'd go back to the same club a different night and it would be like ambient music. And it would be someone on like a fucking array of noise generating oscillator, blah, blah, blahs, like with a bunch of cables just that would freak me out, just generating <laughs> these sounds. And then yeah. there'd be other nights where it was, um, you know, dancey, but singy and a bit more songwriting. Like it's, I just thought that the variety of music being pumped through those dance floor systems was a bit more all encompassing. Maybe that's already happening, maybe I'm just out of touch, but I, I, I feel like maybe that's part of it. It's just making sure that those acts have the right venue because, you know, those acts might not be suited for the kind of more rock mm. and jazz-oriented spaces, you know.
1: And we have such a venue shortage and problem. In, in general, in yeah. General. Yeah.
0: And, you know, like, I mean, if I just take an example of, like, an amazing venue like San Fran, I mean, I've played there a bunch of times. And that place feels like home, one of the best venues I've ever, ever played at, for sure. An incredible team. But also, like, my music probably, in the long term, fits the dance floor better. Like, the techno dance floor, specifically. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's where I'll end up going a bit more. Have you seen Vanessa Worm? No, I've, well, I've seen videos. I'm really keen to catch a set.
1: Because that's, cr- like, that's, it's, you unless you're... She she can I think legitimately walk out onto any stage in any environment and just
0: transform it. Transform it. Well, I hope that, I hope that I could do the same. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I'm I because I I respect that immensely in an artist, right? Like when they can just. Take over and just make that the world. Yeah. Because I,
1: I haven't been able to see you live, but I've seen photos of your live setup. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and That's it, pretty cool. I look at it and I'm like, okay, that I think I'd probably like what I assume is coming out of, yeah. of all that stuff. Like, yeah. Is it? How much of a night? Because it's 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 a continuum of how much a nightmare how much of a nightmare it is to do slightly more electronic leaning stuff in a live sense. Mm-hmm. What's your like live setup in terms of the nightmare continuum? Is it fairly uh, easily set up? And it'd be a nightmare gaming, for people
0: that like were coming fresh into it. But I'm lucky to have a great team. Cool. Yeah. So I mean, I've got the same keyboard player and the same drummer from years back. Cool. Like we've we've built it together. It's not my beast. It's our beast. Yeah. You know. So. Shout out Ruben Tops and Hakopoulasen. Like those guys have been the backbone of that entire live set. And my engineer, James. Goldsmith? No, James Hampshire Perks. Oh, cool. Um, Together we've just really, over time, just, you know, we've had a goal, lofty ambition. Fuck, how the hell do we actually do that? Yeah. Design a system Where we can do it
1: Just some nerdy shit Is it like MIDI Clocked up all of it Or are you guys Like a, free playing
0: That's more of a hardcore question He's really the brains Behind really? um, The computer Of what's driving The set I mean we have We use Ableton And we have like Got a tracks rig But it's far more Interactive than The majority of them Right cool So like he's playing An SPD mm-hmm. But it's a MIDI controller No there's no audio Coming out of the SPD Right okay Um and he's got triggers set up on various parts of his drum kit and the and he's set up don't ask me how <laughs> but in ableton he's got you know we've we've spent we've spent literally fucking weeks i would say of time getting all of this set up together like going through the songs i want that kick drum i want this thing i want this little moment and as the song or the arrangement is playing through his drum rig or whatever it is inside of ableton is also shifting over right and he has somehow, whilst playing in multiple other bands, managed to retain this mental map of his SPD. <laughs> yeah, right. To know which pads to be hitting at which point of the song. It's really bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. That's the most complicated part of the setup and like we really couldn't do it without him. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and Ruben is um, semi, um, semi-acoustic, I suppose, and semi-using like using samples. So they like, will go into the VSTs for all of the sounds that are on the record, resample them into his keyboard. You know, give him one shots from the from the pieces so that mm. he can play those at points. And he's also got a synth on stage so that he can design sounds and do solos and a bunch of pedals. And so it's really a mixture of kind of electronic and acoustic setup.
1: You know, there's so exciting.
0: There's real parts of drum kit. There's uh, less acoustic, less real. I don't really even want to call it that, but like, there's acoustic parts and there's non-acoustic parts to all of our setup. Mm. You know, I've got one microphone for my natural voice and one microphone for auto-tune, distortion, granular delays, and stuff like.
1: I oh, love a granular delay. Man. Yeah, oh. yeah,
0: some nerdy shit. Eh? <laughs> but um, you know, just like we've we've really thought it through, because live is really important, and we don't play very much. But when we do, we try to make it really special and yeah. we've got a full live visual show that plays along with our set too
1: like, that's kind of the last frontier of, of really what I definitely wanted to talk to you about which is like your artist career yourself like yeah how where what are your and I you kind of addressed at the start like you know looking at the donut not the whole. and I guess you're, you're also like enjoying the moment and doing all that kind of stuff as well yeah but what what does what does your artist outlet actually function for you how does what what does it do for you in in your life
0: well that's where I get to be myself hmm. I guess like the music that I hear in my head that's where that gets to come to life and I would love to do that you know I'd love for that to be the thing which took off you know um that's what it serves for me. It's it's a, it's a form of expression that I can't get anywhere else. And that I would do regardless of having a platform or not. You know, even if no one wanted to distribute it or you know listen to it or whatever, I would still make it. So that's what it's for. You know, it's like music was first and foremost a, a way of at the time I've changed my I've I've made a slightly healthier relationship of this, but at the time was just a a healing thing really early on. As a way to deal with stuff that had happened as a young person, like just my mental health primarily, music it was a great it was a great um, way to both understand those things and to move on from them. You know, sort of seal them into something, seal that feeling into a track and. Kind of leave it there. And if I need to go back there, it's sort of I have something to go back and listen to. You know, kind of use that word again, distill a feeling right down. Mm. And then you've kind of figured it out by the end. That's what that is. That's what my music is for me. Um, yeah. So where in the process of your
1: own music are you now in this moment? Like are you... Are you in the process of discovery? Are you in the process of distillation? Are you, where, where are you? What's happening with your, your, your music?
0: Um, well, there's another record coming out imminently. Just don't have, I can't, can't say the date right at this time. But there's a seven track project which I've been sitting on for a while which we've released two singles from called Openly and Viscera, um, which I really love. Uh, and it's just fucking, it's just, I just think it's such a cool record. It's so bold and dynamic and it started to move, I think, a little closer to my vision than I've ever gotten it. So are you like, you're you're heading, you're getting
1: closer and closer with your releases to heading to a certain yeah. point. You're, you're not, yeah, right.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, the thing that really interests me at the moment is how to create something. This might not make sense. It's just what I've been saying to myself, but how to make something as maximal, like as intense and distorted and crazy as possible. But also how can I be sparing with that at the same time? Like kind of like the only artist I can think of that, that has actually worded it properly is Sev Deleza. Do you know her music? She has a label, I believe, or at least she releases with this title as a distribution called Twisted Elegance. And I feel like that summarizes kind of what I want to go for. Yeah, right. Just, Just using sounds which are unsettling and distorted and violent and angry, you know, all the things that characterize a lot of electronic music, you know, fucking heavy kicks and distorted bass and shit that just rips through your fucking speakers and moves you to move, you know, to literally move. It moves you, it gets you out of your seat and fucking gets you dancing. I want that quality, but I want it to be subtle, which seems like quite a hard goal, but I, that's kind of what I want.
1: Makes a lot of sense hearing you say that after listening to your music. Yeah. Sure.
0: Like I just I just want to make something, I, I feel like that's, a, like that's an area which many people have touched, but I just, I have like a, a vision of it, I suppose, that I haven't heard yet. And sometimes I hear people that are really close to it right. and I'm like, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like get on them but I really hope that I can get there first. But it's, um, yeah, it's this ability to walk the line between just utter fucking noise and something really simple and powerful. You know, like my favorite songs, some of my favorite songs are just folk songs. Right. Um, like Nick Drake. Not that they're simple songs. Like the, guitar, st- the guitar work's really complicated. But, you know, guitar and vocal, that's enough. That the that's enough thing again? to say everything if mm. you want it. I want to have that ability in my music, which I think I have as my background as a songwriter, like a guitarist and a vocalist, even though that music's not online anymore. That's where I started. I want that elegance. And then I want the twisted level of people like you brought up, like John Hopkins or even like techno producers like Uh, Yumek. Just these people that use crunchy, twisted, disgusting noises. But they are fucking exciting. And when you're on the dance floor, you want to move to it. I want that and this kind of beautiful, simple thing at the same time. And I, I don't think I've figured it out yet, but I think this record that I'm putting out is like the closest that I've gotten to it. And thematically, I think it's a really interesting record. Like it's all, each song is just about a really kind of ugly part of myself, really. Something I'm not proud of or something I'm not, something I'm trying to work on, you know. So I'm quite excited for it to come out. How do you, so you feel
1: you feel completely comfortable putting that side of yourself onto song and out into the public.
0: Um, I don't even know if I feel comfortable with it. I just I don't know anything else to do.
1: That was the voice.
0: Yeah, I don't like. I couldn't do anything else. No. Like, that's what. Like I got really interested in Carl Jung and and general like Jungian philosophy or psychology. I'm not sure what like branch it technically sits under, but the concept of Understanding your worst aspect or aspects as a source of kind of power mm. uh, like I don't know if your mother ever said this to you, but my mum did to me you know you don't know you know how strong you are you know when I'm like going through puberty and becoming like tall because I'm quite tall for those that don't know quite a tall person, like quite like well built or whatever, and like I shot up really early. And so play fighting, you know, is less of a chill thing if yeah. you're a big kid, you know. It's like you've got to know your strength, right? Otherwise you're dangerous. And so that applies, I think, throughout your whole life. And I learned that through looking into Jung's work. And he he kind of briefly, it's a bit of a weird analogy with the what my mum said to me, but his idea is that we have this darker side, these parts of ourselves that we don't wanna see, don't wanna talk about, but that you know, there's power and grace in knowing it and knowing it really well. And music was a really easy way for me to do that, you know. Because I can dress it up. I I can I can say something incredibly specific, but no one else knows what it actually says in a way. Because I've just dressed it in the words that make sense to me. Yeah, of course. And so there's some level of safety in that. So I wouldn't probably be completely comfortable with putting out a song that goes, <laughs> um, from time to time, I hate myself, right <laughs> down to the core. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some people do and I admire them, but like, I, I will maybe say something else. I so will probably might put it like, I'm not going to try and come up with an example, but I'll, I'll come up with a, a slightly more disguised version of that. Yeah. But I know what it means, you know? And um, so I think that's why I'm comfortable with putting out that kind of record. But I also think that's a, it's a healthy conversation to have and one that we should have more. Um, you know.
1: Well, I think you, uh, I'm going to probably fuck this up. but
0: um, I'm pretty sure I just fucked it up for no, the last no, no, five you minutes. Really well. so, you did really well.
1: Hey, you did really well. Yeah. But for me, like hearing you explain that. You 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 are essentially talking about the you know where the themes for like I I assume that the lyrics and the and the yeah. themes came from, yeah. but it, it kind of solidified the other half of the coin to the music thing for me in a sense because you're you're talking about like you uh, twisted elegance right yeah but I would say like and and I get that in my language I would describe the same phenomenon of what you do as essentially making music. That as like that is as connectable as possible, without using any of the usual um, devices for connection. Yeah. And so, like you talking about like understanding the shadow and all that stuff, really speaks to me. Like under like comes through musically, and like I'm going to use twisted, use mm. use these things that aren't necessarily associated with any form of like uh, easy language of connection. Yeah. Like say a, a Nick Drake song is like, the, you know, an acoustic guitar or a certain musical devices can be used.
0: Sure. Can as, a langu- a message, as a short, yeah.
1: Sh- yeah, short thing of connection. Mm. But your music is essentially striving for the most connection possible with the least amount of um, traditional connection tools used, yeah.
0: you know? Well, I mean, yes. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's still try to employ some basic compositional. You know, especially with arrangements and stuff. Like, I think I think I think the arrangements are are, are still very like important. Mm. I won't throw that out. But I mean, in in terms of this is where Sonics come in for me, really, because I mean, okay, just use one example. Like, there's um, let's take like a Viscera, Like, it's a song that the most recent single that we put out. That song is just so distorted. Like, I mean, it may not kind of come across that way, but if you really listen, everything's fucking crushed, you know? (laughs) Correct. Yeah, and and even the vocal production, it's like, it's just so, like, it's just wrong in many ways. And what I like about that is it means I don't have to spell it out. And and I'm really against spelling it out too with Mm. lyrics just because I think you can kind of isolate your listeners because I can, for instance, I can write a song that gets to the root of a problem like like loss, for example, like losing somebody. But I can make a song that is just losing somebody, which for this person over here is losing somebody as in they died. And for this person over here is losing their girlfriend or for this person over here is losing their dog. And that to me is a more effective song. If I can write a song about loss rather than... And that's just my opinion. But that's what I want my music to that's, do. That's your approach. That's the function I want my music to have. I want to be able to talk about these kind of wider themes. Okay, they've come from me, but how can I kind of poeticize them in such a way that like, kind of anyone might be able to find their own meaning? And then the thing which is a little bit more specific and reinforcing is the sonics. That's what makes it mine. You know? Okay, well, to me... Anxiety sounds like a fucking, just this absolutely blaring, like almost too much to listen to synth line. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that kind of like, because I'm super sensitive to, to noise. So there's a song which is on the record called Taller Than Trees. And there's this massive, just, it's not even really a chorus, but there's a synth moment in the track that happens a couple of times. And it's completely overpowering. It's mixed like crazily. <laughs> Shout out to Simon Gooding Because he makes the record And he really like Went with our vision for it But you know It's uncomfortable To listen to Basically And like That is where I get to Kind of put my signatory Like that's where my signature is That's how it's mine But the lyrics are still Something people can Use for their own Their own understanding I suppose Yeah I don't know if any of that's making sense
1: Makes a lot of sense man. Mm. It's lovely to hear It's always great Like to hear artists because the explanation of what they're going for is as artistic as as the output because it's the same function. You're just using language for one and music for the other.
0: Yeah, and I find language really hard mm. to communicate, to be honest. Because I I say something and then I I'm just sort of like, analytical that I just I'm like, oh fuck, that's not what you mean. <laughs> yeah, right. Why did I say like I didn't mean that? You're like fact
1: checking yourself in real time. I just constantly yeah, <laughs> and so
0: sometimes that like, language is kind of difficult for me because it's like music is the one arena where I feel like I can really get my point across. Like if I've finished a song and I've gotten it mixed and I put it out, that's exactly what I wanted to say. Mm. You know, and there's really nothing else I have to say.
1: Let's you know. Let's touch on Oscar. Yeah. And because he has a part to do with the visuals of yeah you. Yeah, yeah. Hundred um, percent. What What is that to? What's that process? What's that relationship? What's that relationship?
0: I mean, Oscar's just like one of the best people in the world for starters. Beyond like you know, beyond the work, which is really important, I think. So and we're talking kind about of Oscar Keys. For yeah, sorry, Oscar Keys. Um, a must know. Um, but yeah, he's got he's got the personability thing down to a fucking art mm. for starters. But even beyond the game. You know, he is just a legit human being Mm. who has your best interest at heart. And is happy, like you are, to have pretty straight up conversations, just to go straight down into the depths of things. And I met him kinda, how did I meet? I met Oscar through another friend. And I'd like seen his work, but you know, didn't really know him from a bar of soap. And then we worked on a photo series together and you know, from then on, it was pretty clear that this was somebody that, you know, it was worth really fostering a relationship with, you know, beyond just the work as well. And it's sort of hard. I don't know. I feel like Oscar's as much part of my music as, as kind of, you know, I am really. I, and I feel the same about everyone that's on my team. You know, I, that's why I say we, when I say we put out a song, like it's, it's my song. Not that many people worked on it, but just in terms of the whole image and the whole narrative, you know, it is such a team effort. And Oscar's a huge part of that because he understood the world, I think, that I was going for. I never felt like I had to um, use different language. I could use my language, and he actually understood that. And I think that's partially because I speak a very visual language. Mm. You know, I've watched a lot of movies. I wanted to make films. So I think there was some sort of kind of natural resonance there. And I don't know. It's a relationship formed on respect, which is really important. So I, yeah, sort of hard to say enough nice things really about it. Other other than that, like, he's probably the only person I work with for my music at least.
1: Yeah, right. He's also a goofball too.
0: He is a goofball, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. But he's, but you know, like, I, I'd say that the, the long game, like, is that the more we do stuff together and the more we spend time together, we're like developing a language. Now it's funny I've said this like three times since I've been on this trip about him to people, so I always feel like I've rehearsed this <laughs> speech. But having people that you don't need to break yourself as an artist to communicate with is like so rare. It is so important, yeah. I think. And I feel very lucky to have found someone like Oscar who I can just come as myself to, and he takes it. And I don't know, maybe, it is, maybe it's harder for him than I know to, to understand what I'm saying. But it doesn't seem like that. It seems very natural. It seems like he really relates to a lot of my ideas. And I think the more that we work together, the more incredible the work's gonna become. Like we've got a series of videos which we've made for the next release, which you might have seen, I don't know. I haven't seen them yet. But we put out two of them for each of the two new singles. They're with this massive LED wall behind us. And, like, those are crazy videos. Like, in no way has it even blown my own trumpet. I play such a small role in those videos, it's stupid. You know, like, Oscar just knew how to bring a team together and how to get the best out of everyone. And we had such a great like audio and visual and lights team and yeah, those videos are crazy. And if that's what we're doing at this age, I'm just really excited to see where we get to, you know, in five, 10 years. Me too. It might not even be like, I don't even know. It might not even be my music. It might be, we might be making films together. I don't know. But that's the beauty of the relationship. I could do a whole podcast just about Oscar to be honest I
1: feel like there will be one at some point Don't worry, we'll just get you should just do a compilation of he... just
0: people giving him flowers Because
1: he have to fucking sit down he, He's sitting below us right now He's probably got his headphones on Or he might have taken them off Just to listen to us talk about himself But that would be great Forcing him to sit down While he had to slavishly work away on someone's music video Or <laughs> while we sit up here talking about him yeah. would make me very happy
0: Yeah, well, he's, yeah, he's a special guy Yeah, that's how I
1: feel about Benji. The same way you describe your working relationship with him is the same thing Benji and I have had for a long time, which is just, it makes it so easy. I just walk into a room, it's like half an hour, we can be like, yeah, smash, 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 there's that, yeah, we'll do that, we'll do that, and then cool, chill out time. A lot of it's
0: just ease, you know, this kind of comes back to like how we were talking about humour and, well, not so much, I was saying like that humour and I suppose simple, simple approach often wins out. Like, you know, you can intellectualize stuff. Which is what you do sometimes at the, sorry, at the, what do you call it? At the inception of like a relationship, whatever, that's often the first point. You know, you go straight to intellectualizing. Okay, we're gonna do a project. You go super deep in the weeds and you try and figure things out and you make it real smart. And Oscar and I have done that. But now we're like really saying very little. But communicating a lot, like you really do kind of find this language and we do figure stuff out through humor and humor is a big part of our relationship and it is it's just so simple and I think that's what a great working relationship can be. It's just simple like you're saying you walk in, you've got half an hour and you've done a whole bunch of stuff. and how amazing is that? Mm. You know all my all my kind of closest relationships and, and best relationships. no offense to anyone that hasn't in that. Like, you know, I'm not trying to devalue anybody, but the relationships which I see as being the most kind of efficient and fulfilling to me personally, they're all easy. None of them are, None of them require like constant fucking maintenance or, you know, feeling like I have to do some sort of hoop jumping, you know, or get on any level at all. I can just completely be myself. Mm. And it's a beautiful thing. And... What's amazing about Oscar is that he seems to have that with almost everyone that he works with. That's what's so incredible about him, really, is that he just seems to invite that from people and draw it out of people. Because everyone that works with him has the same thing to say. I definitely know that that's not the case for me. Like I'm a very specific type of person, and so is Oscar, but he seems to manage to like bring out that kind of state in people. So, yeah, kudos to him.
1: Yeah, shout-out, Oscar.
0: Although I disagree with him on some things,
1: <laughs> maybe we'll have a Neil versus Oscar disagreement panel.
0: It's just one topic. <laughs> should
1: we should say that for another podcast. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks so much for being here, Neil.
0: Thanks for having me, man. Sorry was... if I went down some funny, odd rabbit holes.
1: You mean like did a podcast?
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm just
1: saying it was my first
0: podcast, FYI.
1: Well, you did very, very well. Do you think so? I think so.
0: I was trying not to use the word like too much. That was the one thing I came in here trying to trying to avoid because I say like a lot and I'm trying not to say that as much. We all do. That's so silly, eh?
1: Yeah, but...
0: We could just substitute the word like for one extra second of silence most of the time.
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say why. I'm going to make a defense of the like. Okay. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I like to think uh-huh. that we aren't. There's this view that we're all static, so we're all just the person we are, and we yeah. everyone's in this box, and you are that. But I think we're the. I think our existence is completely the opposite of that. We're completely. We're like a subatomic particle that.
0: Just by by observing
1: it, you put it in a place, but it's actually in many places Mm, at once. Yeah, okay, I agree with that. And I like to view the word like... Maybe it's not this all the time, but I prefer to think of it as someone deciding in which space their particle is going to be at any given time. And it means that they're, for that one moment, in the moment with themselves. Even if it's sacrificing... The, uh, the conversation itself. They're actually trying to figure out
0: where they are in physical space. Because like is just buying time. It is, and that's I suppose like the, like the only reason. <laughs> it's so hard, you see, you're it right. It is so hard, man. But I suppose this is like the only reason I'm trying to watch it, is because I'm not doing it consciously anymore. I remember there was a time where I wouldn't use the word, I would just not say anything. I didn't used to speak like this. I don't know, it's, it's not a problem, it's just something that I'm observing. And I suppose when there's something in my behavior that I can see, but have little control over, I don't know, part of me just doesn't enjoy that. The one thing I learned from, because I don't really listen back to these very often. No, I won't be able to. <laughs> I'll have to They're just, to, other just we, to review it, but, but we've
1: had this conversation, you know. Yeah, So yeah. It, it's kind of it, it can be fun, but it is. I'm hearing we're having. I'm having this conversation on a second time if i listen back. But yeah, from right. Yeah, early stages when I was learning, what I really rea- realized about myself is that I really say fuck a lot. That's a cool. Lot I enjoy more that. than I thought I said. Uh, that was the thing I learned about myself. Yes, yeah, so I don't mind the fucking.
0: This, it. I don't mind this the casual fucks. <laughs> oh no, my girlfriend's not going to enjoy that line. <laughs> My um, mum listens. We opened the last one up with like just the word
1: cunt with um, yeah, yeah. shit from Phil. So we're doing better.
0: <laughs> no, I don't mind I don't I think yeah, we I almost dislike the word like in in the sense of using it instead of just saying nothing more than I dislike swearing. And well, I don't dislike swearing at all. So
1: it's a very good discipline stopping yourself from st- from doing it and thinking about what it's you're It's just saying. a
0: mindfulness thing, really. And again, I don't feel like I'm that great with words. So it's it's kind of me just trying to figure it out before I say it. You know? Beautiful. Taking an extra second. Yeah. Do you have any plugs? Any plugs? Um well, yeah, I've got two new songs out that came out this year. I'd love it if people went and checked it out. I really I'm really proud of them. Openly and viscera. Um if you like records, I have a very small amount of EP vinyls sitting around, which you can get via Bandcamp. And that's about it. I don't really have many plugs. I don't know, listen to New Zealand music, listen local, support local bars, work with local producers and local writers, I don't know. That's probably the biggest plug. Beautiful. Just support people around you. Bring each other up, cut this, corp- Cut this. Uh, Poppy shit.
1: The ship rises with the ocean.
0: Yeah. So just just be part of that tide, I guess. You know?
1: God, we, we're so good at this, dude. We are. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Neil. All right, man. Please. <laughs> I'm sure we'll do this again. <laughs>